Good morning, everyone. It's uh, wonderful to see all of you virtually uh, this morning. Uh, we welcome you to the Mace Branch of the Church of Jesus Christ on this June 14th uh, Flag Day. Um, and we certainly uh, want to welcome you. We want to thank you for joining in, and whether it's live or uh, as it's recorded and, and you log on later, we're certainly happy to have you here. Uh, we pray that God will bless you and that uh, you will feel his spirit this morning. We thank you for uh, uh, continuing to uh, spend time with us as we take this opportunity to try and uh, bring to you what God has given to us as a message. And we're going to hear from Brother AJ this morning. And so have a prayer in your heart for him that uh, it would be the Lord speaking through him today that we would receive. And so with that, we're going to look to the Lord in prayer. Uh, let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We thank you and praise you for all that you have done for us. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we uh, gather even uh, virtually this morning. We thank you even for this opportunity that we have once again. And, and Lord, we pray your blessing to be with us that uh, your words would flow through our brother this morning, that they might speak to our, our hearts and our minds and even our souls, Lord, to, that, that we might be uplifted today, that we would feel your presence, uh, Lord, that you would stir up that gift of God that you've given to us. Um, Lord, we thank you for Jesus Christ, our Savior. We thank you uh, for all that he represents in our life, and, and Lord, we just ask that you might allow him to increase in our lives, that you would allow his spirit, uh, his love, his gentleness, and his kindness to uh, flow through us, Father, that it might uh, be a blessing to others and that they might uh, see the light of Christ even through just whatever we can do, Father. Lord, we pray your blessing upon those that are sick and afflicted, those that are continuing to even struggle uh, whether it be with their jobs or whatever it is, Father, we just pray that your blessing would be upon them, that uh, you might provide healing, that you might provide guidance, and Lord, even virtue might flow from your throne. So be with us this morning. We thank you for this opportunity once again, and we pray this in the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, I'll say good morning to everyone. For those of you who are frequent flyers, I say welcome back. If you are joining us for the first time, I welcome you today. And my prayer throughout all of our separation, even before that, my prayer is that you are in the Word of God, that you are working on an individual relationship with Him. And the reason I say that is the Scriptures are so relevant to our lives that some people think that their stories that have happened you know, hundreds of years ago and they don't apply today. They say, well, they didn't have technology or they don't have the same struggles that we deal with. And the argument today and the scripture we're going to use, I'd say, is more relevant now than ever. And I'm going to do a little something unorthodox as we're going to talk about an entire book. I'm not going to read you the entire book, but I'm going to hit some of the highlights today. And I challenge you afterwards to read it yourself, to search the scriptures, 
And the good news is you can get through this entire book faster than you can live stream and binge watch your favorite show tonight. And there's three chapters that consist of this book. And the book is Habakkuk, if I can get my PowerPoint to work. Now, Habakkuk was a prophet in the time in Israel where there was a very evil king, Jochum. Jochum preceded Zedekiah by a couple of years. So we know that this is before Lehi and his family left for the Americas. And he was an evil man. And Habakkuk saw evil all around him. He saw a king who was incestuous. He saw a king who murdered people. He saw a king who stole things out of the temple, the Holy of Holies, and gave them to other nations. And he's referred to as the embracer. And in certain translation, that embrace is almost translated as wrestling, that he struggled with very difficult questions, and he threw them at the Lord. And like I said, the things that he witnessed, I think we are witnessing today in our country and our world. So the Cliffsnose Virgin, what are we going to talk about? What does Habakkuk talk about in his short little book? I think this is one of the very few dialogues between God and man that's written down in our scriptures. Now we have revelation to the prophets and then the prophets speak to, the na- to a nation or to us. We have, you know, if you read in the Book of Mormon, when you look at Lehi, the Lord gives Lehi a vision and a dream, and he explains it. But the verbiage is flipped in Habakkuk. Habakkuk turns to the Lord and says, God, I got a problem here, and I want you to answer me. And he does it twice, because he didn't like God's answer the first time. And there's this dialogue between them and then turns to this wonderful praise and prayer from the prophet. And in my mind, as I look at our world and I look at our lives, I mirror Habakkuk in my life. And I I say to God, how do we look at our world right now and we look at rioting and looting. And how do I praise him in the same breath? Where I look at that and I wonder in my own mind, God, where are you today? And it makes it difficult for me to praise. Not only do we see these problems in society, but we see it in our lives. We see financial trouble. We see the loss of jobs. We see sickness and illness individually. And at times we say, Lord, all of this I'm struggling with, how do I praise you? And that's the beautiful thing about the scriptures is here is an example of Habakkuk struggling with all these questions, but at the very end comes out in praise. You see, so we dive into the word of God to say, how does this man do it? How does this man struggle with these very difficult questions, but yet never cease to praise the Lord? 
And that's my question for you today, is how do we go from problem focus to praise? How do, we fo- how do we shift our focus in our lives that we no longer struggle with these individual problems, but we praise the Lord despite them? So problem number one. So if you want to follow along, we'll be in Habakkuk, the first chapter, second verse to start. And this is what he says. He says, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help? I'm going to read this in the English Standard Version, a couple of these verses, just so it streamlines it. So how long shall I cry for help, and you will not hear? How many times have you been in that scenario? That you've got down on your knees at night to pray, you've turned off the television, You turn off your radio in your car and you just cry to the Lord for whatever it is. And instead of an answer, you hear a pin drop. See, I told you that we're not alone in our struggles. We're not alone in our walk as Christians, that people for hundreds of years have been struggling with the same problems. And Habakkuk, Habakkuk, Ask the same question as us. He goes a step further in that second verse. He says, or cry to you violence and you will not save. How appropriate in our country right now is we're surrounded by riots. As I saw last night that the city of Atlanta is on fire. And we see violence We see a movement for black lives because many of us have the privilege of walking to our mailbox and never asking if, never being asked if we live there. I have the privilege of never being pulled over for the color of my skin. So we see violence on a society level. And he saw it in his day too that the Assyrians in their day started to oppress the Jews. And he cries out to the Lord, what is going on here? He says, why do you make me see iniquity in the third verse, and why do you idly look at wrong? God, I know you're there, but why aren't you doing anything? Questions that I think many of us, whether we admit to it openly or not, may have asked the Lord. Lord, I see sin there. Why have you not changed it? Or we see heartache and suffering. We say, Lord, where are you? Why aren't you intervening? And it seems that he wasn't answering. When the Lord doesn't seem to answer, it's not his indifference. And the purpose and the revelation that we'll come to today is that God is listening and God has a plan in our lives. So Habakkuk has a question. God has an answer. And this is what he responds. 
In the fifth verse, it says, Look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. So here's the revelation that we need to come to grips with today. That when we pray, we might not get an answer we like. When we look to the Lord for his answers, when they come, it might be a tough pill to swallow. And he may answer in a way, as he often does, in ways that we never saw coming. And he says, For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans. And these are the Babylonians. So this modern-day Iraq, he was building up this group of people. And if you look historically, they came and swept over that part of the, the world. And they eventually ransacked and destroyed the temple um, in Jerusalem. It says, For behold, I'm raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their injustice and dignity go forth from themselves. Not quite the answer I think he was looking for. Because I think, and I believe that Habakkuk knew the power of God, and he knew God can deliver them from any oppression, from any unrighteous king, from any unrighteous leader, from whatever sin was in the, the community there. God's power could manifest itself, and he could change them in an instant. But that wasn't God's answer. So Habakkuk did as any of us would do. We'd raise a second problem. So if you don't like the answer to the first question, you question God's answer, is what Habakkuk does. And it's funny because it seems that I do that a lot too. Well, Lord, that wasn't exactly what I was looking for. How about we try again? Let's go for round two. Maybe you'll answer me a little bit differently this time. So his second problem in the 12th verse, still in the first chapter, he says, are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die. And I think he's referencing Israel in that point, that he knows his promises that they will number the sands of the sea and the stars in the sky that God has promised to preserve his people. And that promise has extended to us as Christians who believe and take on the name of Jesus Christ, that God has promised to preserve us so long as we keep his commandments. But then he says, O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment. And you, O rock, have established them for reproof. You who are purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallow up the man more righteous than he? So in brief, so let me get this right, Lord. Israel is in sin, and you're going to use a nation in more sin to teach them a lesson and to bring about your, your plan. Really? That's what you have in store for us today. And that's what he says to the Lord. 
You see, he questions again God's ultimate plan. And on a brief aside, what I love about these first two questions is that the word of God and our Savior gives us the liberty to ask them in our lives. That it's okay to challenge the Lord and to ask him and to go to him. It's okay to ask tough questions when we see sin around us, when we see shortcomings in our lives. We can ask the Lord why. And I promise you he will answer. But what we need to understand is we can't just ask these questions. That we need to do something in addition to just, well, God, that was a horrible plan. Let me know when you're finished and walk away. That was not Habakkuk's approach. And in the second chapter, first verse, this is what he says. He finishes those two brazen questions. And he says this, I will take my stand at the watch post and station myself on the tower. And I will look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. You see, Habakkuk didn't turn his back on the Lord. He said, I'm going to take the effort to get to the tallest tower. I'm going to climb. I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. I'm going to do everything that I would be prepared for when God answers these very tough questions. I put the energy there to be there when he answered. It takes energy to sit on a watchtower if you've ever seen some of these historical buildings, they're typically perched on a hill and you can get to the top and you can look out and see everything to the horizon. So if an enemy starts to come, you're the first to alert the people. It takes energy to stay awake on the watchtower. I'll give you an example of the opposite of Habakkuk's effort is my own. How many times I've been on the side of my bed, kneeled in prayer, and wake up a half hour later, not knowing where my prayer started or where my prayer ended. You see, I fell asleep on the watchtower. I didn't finish my prayer. I didn't have the energy or effort that he did. So what do you do? Slumber into bed with your tail between your legs. and Is that the effort that God requires of us. You see, again, in the scripture, he gives us examples that if we are going to ask the hard questions, if we are going to be frustrated with society around us, with, our own, with sin in our lives, what effort are we going to put in to change it? What effort are we going to use to hear God's answer today? Not only does it take effort, but it takes some baseline knowledge to ask these questions. 
And I want you to understand that there is some underlying themes that Habakkuk has in his life, what he understands, what he believes, what he knows to be true in order to ask these questions. Because you will never be prepared to hear God's answer unless you know a few things. The first is God is sovereign today. Isaiah 55th chapter, the 8th verse says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways. We have to understand that God's perspective is different than our perspective. He sees the whole plan. He's playing chess while we're playing checkers. God sees everything. Colossians first, verse, or first chapter, 16th verse, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. 17th verse, And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. You see, God was there from the beginning. He will be there in the end. And his plan will be perfected. He's sovereign. God is a just God. His mercy will not rob justice. You see, to answer Habakkuk's frustration with, why are you going to use the Babylonians? He goes on in the second chapter uh, of that book, and I won't read it today, but he gives these woes to the Babylonians. He calls out their arrogance. He calls out their greed. He calls out how they inhumanely treated other human beings. He talks about their idolatry. And he goes into all these things that they, he knew that they would fall into. And he says, I will destroy them and wipe them off the face of the earth. You see, God had a plan. It was different than the way Habakkuk saw it. And in summary, just as Brother Austin preached a few weeks ago, God's got this. We have to submit to his plan in our lives. It may not be the plan and the vision, that, the way you saw things, but he will take care of you. So we have two questions, and we have two answers. Second chapter, second verse said, and the Lord answered me, write the vision and make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up, and it is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. And it's funny because non-Christians and even fringe Christians say, well, the Old Testament was never about faith. And here it is so plain and clear that faith is the essence of the Old Testament and the New Testament because it's all the same. The law was our schoolmaster. It pointed us to Christ. The message has never changed. 
He was the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He was there in the beginning. He will be there in the end. Jesus Christ, his message, our faith in him, has been around since the beginning of time. The great plan of salvation was ministered to Adam and Eve as they left the garden. We know that it's written in the scriptures. That plan has never changed. And it has an appointed time. We cannot speed up, nor can we slow down God's plan. There's nothing we can do to cause Zion to come any sooner. There's nothing we can do to cause the restoration of the house of Israel to come sooner or delay a little bit. God has an exact appointed time when he will carry out his plan. And we need to understand that today. And I want to focus on that last portion in the fourth verse. It says, but the righteous shall live by his faith. If you go to a museum in Germany, there's, it's framed. There's a testimony written by the son of Martin Luther, of his father. And it was the revelation of this verse that he understood that the way things were being, the way worship was, needed to change, and he started about the Reformation. And he tried to get it back to the way the church was when Christ and his apostles were here. And he started that movement based off of this verse. Romans 1.17, Galatians 3.11, Hebrews 10.38, all quote this verse. It's repeated over and over and over again so that we might understand that it is our faith that we live. And what's so beautiful, if you dig into that just a little further, you say, when we say, I believe in God, or I have faith in him, and we are baptized, it does not end there with that single act. And the Greek says that the righteous shall live by faith. But when you actually go back and you translate the Hebrew It says we will live by our faithfulness to God. That is a walk. It's a journey. It is a commitment to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Just like it is a commitment. You know, we stand, those of us who are married, that we will say that we will be faithful to our spouses as long as we shall live. It's not, well, we'll be faithful to our spouses on our wedding day, maybe on our anniversaries. No, it's commitment that we make to each other for the rest of our lives. Even at times when we may seem unlovable, our spouses, we made that commitment to each other that we will love them. First John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. You see, God's faithfulness is ongoing. It never stops. It never ends. That so long as we repent and we ask forgiveness of of our Father, he will answer and he will give us forgiveness. And he asks that same faithfulness of us to him, that it doesn't end on the water shore, that it continues throughout our entire life. In the fourth verse, it also says that He gives a warning to the proud, the soul who's puffed up. You know, pride 
It doesn't see color. It doesn't see socioeconomic status, whether you're rich or whether you're poor, we can be prideful in the fact that we are self-reliant. Where we say, Lord, I got this, instead of letting him. You see, that's the opposite of our faithfulness to him. Because when we are faithful, we are no longer self-reliant, but we are submissive to Jesus Christ in our lives. And it's that verse is the crux of his change. It's that verse where Habakkuk takes his view of all of these problems in the world, all of these issues that he has, and he has this sort of epiphany, and he says, you know what? It's not about these problems. It's about my faithfulness to God. That no matter what's going on around me, that if I just serve him, if I submit to him, if I believe in him, he will take care of the rest. So he changes the way that he sees it and shifts his approach. Despite what happens. A great example yesterday, using the example of faithfulness, I was just in a bad mood. Nobody did anything to me, no one said anything to me, but just grumpy. And unfortunately, the person who bears the most of that most of the time is my wife. So sure enough, grumpy walking in through the door, I go shooting off at the mouth. And the target is my wife. But her faithfulness to me, she doesn't walk out the door, though she, she deserved to. She didn't slam the door in my face, but she continues to show me love. Your God gives us these glimpses of faithfulness in our lives, whether it be your spouse, whether it be your family, whether it be your friends. We have had people stick by us through and through all of these things. And that's what Habakkuk is saying, that no matter what happens, no matter what verbal assaults I can throw at, my wife continued to show love. And in his life, he says, no matter what's going on, I'm going to continue to serve the Lord. So then we see his change where we have those first two chapters of just questioning the Lord and God's faithful answers. We transition to Habakkuk's song of praise. And he stirs up some topics that we need in our lives in order to turn from problem focus to praise focus. That in order to change from problems to praise, we must have a revival in our lives. And he says in the third chapter, the second verse, he says, O Lord, I have heard thy speech, and I was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known in wrath, remember mercy. Here's a newsflash for us. The gospel has been restored. 
Jesus Christ died for your sins. He called us to be new creatures. Not puffed up, not self-reliant, not arrogant. We don't replace him with other idols, whether it be TV or work or money. If we focus on him and stir up this revival, we become more submissive to his plan in our lives. And that's what Habakkuk claims. He says, Lord, please stir up this revival in my life. Stir up this revival in my heart. So as I see these things, it won't matter because I'll be focused on you. The third verse, it says, God came from Teman, the Holy One from Mount Paran, Selah. His glory covered the heavens and the earth was full of his praise. You know, he refers to these two landmarks from the south of Israel, the south of Jerusalem, excuse me. And he used this to stir up remembrance for his deliverance from the wilderness, Israel's deliverance. How beautiful is that, that he wants us to realize and stop that Selah is this holy pause that you would just stop and listen and process is what that word means. So when you see it, we should stop and think about and ponder what God has done for us. And that's what he says. He says, Israel, look at what he did for you. He took us out of the wilderness and brought us into the promised land. We are here. Think about that. Our brother Pete preached last week that King David had the shield of Goliath in his tent. I believe he also had the paw of the bear and the paw of the lion in there too. That he had these visual representations of when God delivered him from harm. So do we write down the miracles in our lives? Do you remember the miracles that God has wrought for you? When we remember those things, we're more prone to switch from a problem focus to praise. We need to remember God's power. In the fourth verse, and it says, And his brightness was as the light. He had horns coming out of his hand, and there was the hiding of his power. You know, that last part, the hiding of his power. Meaning, his power was so great, Habakkuk couldn't comprehend it. He couldn't write it down. He didn't understand everything that he saw. It says in the 10th verse, the mountains saw thee and they trembled. The overflowing of the water passed by. The deep uttered his voice and lifted up his hands on high. The 11th verse, the sun and moon stood still in their habitation. At the light of thine arrows they went. And at the shining of thy glittering spear. 13th verse, thou wentest forth for the salvation of thy people, even for the salvation with thine anointed. Thou woundest the head out of the house of the wicked by discovering the foundation unto the neck. Habakkuk struggled in question number two with why would you use this nation? We have to understand that God's justice will happen. God's plan will happen. But think of that description where the mountains trembled. The sun and the moon, the light of them, trembled at the sight of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Its glory didn't even, 
the light didn't even compare to his glory. Think about the power of God today. And we get focused on these little itty-bitty problems. We bring them up as stumbling blocks upon our faith to him. But he is a God so powerful, more powerful than any sickness you can have, more powerful than any homelessness, more powerful than any joblessness, more powerful than any anxiety or despair that you might have. God's power can overcome today. And he finishes with praise. This may be one of my new favorite verses in all of the scripture. And the 17th verse is how Habakkuk closes. And I want to leave you with this today. It says, Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be on the vines. The labor of the olive oil will fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there will be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. You see, he saw from the beginning to the end, he was revealed the Babylonians coming in and ransacking the city. In literal desolation would he witness. But because he was revived, because he remembered, because he understood God's power, he praised him. He praised him because God saved his soul. We must praise him today because he saved our souls. That he went to the cross of Calvary for you and for I. And no matter what problem we may see in society, no matter what problem we may have in our lives, we can never forget to praise the Lord for his salvation in us. Don't despair over the fig tree today. Don't focus on your problems. Praise his name for his salvation in your life. May God bless you today. Certainly uh, enjoyed our brother's words and, and the word of God brought to us uh, this morning uh, from uh, a book that probably gets often overlooked. And uh, I think Brother AJ is right. Um, when we take these scriptures and we read them, they are timeless and they are uh, speaking to us, even as it were, like from the dust. Um, and, and they're relevant. And, and God's spirit makes them relevant to us. And so I thank our brother for bringing forth these, these words and, and encouragement unto you. And I, and I hope they were words of encouragement to you today. Um, you know, sometimes we, we like to get answers immediately. 
Um, not sometimes, I think most times we like to get answers immediately. Um, and we don't like to wait. We don't like to have to endure any suffering or any pain or any affliction or whatever it is. But there's a reality. And our trust, as Brother AJ said there at the end, needs to be in the salvation of the Lord. And we must put our trust in, in that. And, you know, God can take care of all these other things that we would uh, have in our lives and the things that weigh us down from time to time and distract us and take us away and take away our joy and our those things that um, that we want in our life but we must focus on the joy and the salvation of the Lord and um, as brother AJ was reading I, I was reading a scripture this week and I, I'm going to ask for your patience because uh, it's I think it goes right along with what our brother read this morning and uh, I hope that you, again, find encouragement. Um, it's the 27th Psalm. Uh, David is, is exclaiming to the Lord uh, some, some wonderful things that I think just really go hand in hand with what our brother read this morning. So uh, 27th Psalm in the first verse. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. And now shall my head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifice, sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou saidest, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me, put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help, leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy ways, O Lord, and lead me in, plain, in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. While on, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And David here so beautifully just exclaims, I think, what, what Brother AJ was just trying to, to encourage us, that 
There's times we need to wait on the Lord. And there's times where we're going to endure things and go through things, just as Habakkuk was asking the Lord these questions and the Lord was answering him. And maybe not the answer he was looking for, but yet Habakkuk came to the realization and ultimately went to praising the Lord. Because that's what we need to do. We need to praise the Lord for the salvation which he has afforded us. You know, we don't have the opportunity to gather together today and once again, and, and not really sure when that will be, but I hope and I pray that you're taking encouragement from the messages that the Lord is delivering, that you're remembering the salvation that the Lord has afforded you. No matter what your situation is right now, like I said, even in my prayer, whether it's unemployment or whether it's affliction or whatever it is that's weighing you down, if it's um, the riots that we're seeing and the racism that's so rampant in, in, in society today and really should be stamped out, and we pray to the Lord, Lord, why is this still the way that it is? The Lord hears our cries. He hears our prayers. and the Lord has the answer, and it's Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Redeemer. Jesus Christ is the answer for all of the world's problems. He's the answer for all of your problems, and so I pray that you would turn to him today, and yeah, sometimes we're going to have to endure pain. Sometimes we're going to have to endure affliction, Sometimes the trials are going to be one right after the other, after the other. And we're going to say, Lord, where are you? Deliver me. The Lord is faithful. You know, the world at the time when Jesus was upon the cross of Calvary thought that they had stamped out this rebel, this guy who was causing trouble. Little did they know in crucifying him and then laying him in a tomb, they were actually putting God's plan into motion and fulfilling God's ultimate desire to bring back salvation to his people through the Lamb of God, who Jesus Christ was. That's who we believe in today. You know, they thought they had victory but the victory came when the stone was rolled away and the tomb was empty the power of jesus christ is alive and well i hope that you feel it in your lives and if you don't then take a moment put the distractions beside you and put them away and pray to the lord that he would deliver you that he would stir up the power that can be within you, the power of the Spirit of God through Jesus Christ, our Savior. May God bless you this week. Um, We have certainly a lot of prayer requests. We're not going to name them one by one. We're sending them out through emails and other communications. Please remember those prayer requests. They're vitally important. May we see the salvation of the Lord work in people's lives. And may healing come. May the virtue that comes from God's throne touch people in their time of need. And may we be excited by that. May it be another witness to us of God's great power and love in our life.
Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you, and Lord, we thank you even for this message today. We thank you that so oftentimes, Lord, we complain about the problems. So oftentimes the problems are so much more recognizable to, unto us. And sometimes we find ourselves complaining about this and about that. And yet, Father, as our brother encouraged us today, may we turn those problems into opportunities of praise. Lord, may we look to you who can give us the answers that we seek in our life. Can we look to you, Father, that we might turn those things and give you the honor and praise for the salvation which you've afforded. Lord, we thank you for Jesus Christ, our Savior. We pray your blessing upon our world. Lord, we pray your blessing upon our country. We pray your blessing upon those that will even be listening and watching this. Lord, those that are seeking, may they find your salvation today. May they receive the touch of the Holy Spirit upon their lives, that they might, uh, Heavenly Father, seek that great and wonderful gift. Lord, we thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the restoration of the gospel, and we pray that it would be alive and well. Lord, give us patience when we need patience. Give us strength when we need strength. And give us, Father, the hope to know that you have all of these situations within your hand. Lord, we thank you. We love you. We love our brothers and sisters and our friends who gather virtually. Lord, as we have opportunity to see each other from time to time, we pray that we might never lose or be discouraged, but instead that we might draw strength one from another and draw strength from the word of God. Lord, we pray that you would dismiss us today with your blessings, and we pray this in the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. May God bless you this week is our prayer.